And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Hang on a minute. Who put you in charge? And who the hell are you anyway? I'm the Doctor. I'm a Time Lord. I'm from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Casterberus. I'm 903 years old and I'm the man who's going to save your lives and all six billion people on the planet below. You got a problem with that? No. In that case... Hello, Z! Would you like a jelly baby? My Sarah Jane. Oh, look, rocks. Wibbly wobbly, tiny wimey. Watch it, Spaceman. Boy, watch it, Earth Girl. I will teach you the folly of your words, Doctor! Uh, Smith. Dr. John Smith. This is Duggan. He's a detective who's been kind enough to catch me. You always were an optimist, weren't you? Thank you for the compliment. Hello. Mate in six moves, master. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Who True Freaks, the Two True Freaks podcast guide to Doctor Who and all of his forms and iterations. My name's Sean Ingle, and here I'd like, well, first of all, I'd like to apologize for over the summer break not having a couple episodes come out. You know, we've been really busy with other stuff. It's been summer, people are doing stuff, uh, so we got a little behind, but we hope that you'll accept this episode as, as penance for us taking the time off. This time out, we're going to be talking about, well, the brand new Doctor Who. Yes, Peter Capaldi is going to be doing Doctor Who for the uh, next season or so, and we're going to be taking a look at his first episode, which just aired the prior evening. The uh, episode was Deep Breath, and uh, I've got a group of people here who are ready to talk about Capaldi and the uh, new direction of Doctor Who. Starting with, uh, of course, my good friend from Walking Dead Wednesday, the Doctor himself, Bill Robinson. How's it going, Bill? Hey, good morning. I think my eyebrows are crossed. I'm glad mm. to hear that. Are they angry? Are they attack eyebrows? They're yeah. angry, angry. Att- that that hair is angry attack hair, sir. <laughs> and you also heard the lovely voice of the wonderful Miss Hope Mullinax, host of Hopeful Trades over the Two True Freaks Network. Hello, Hope. 
Hi, I'm I'm sick, so I don't sound very lovely today. <laughs> well, I'm just glad that you're here. It's good to hear from you again, Hub. I know. I my my job kicked my ass, and now I have a new job. But in response, I'm playing catch up with life. <laughs> so I haven't put out a new show since like since April. So I kind of took a mini hiatus, and I should be backing up after Dragon Con. Well, we'll we'll have you back for more Who True Freaks as well. I almost said horror true freaks. Holy crap! Horror true freaks. Well, that's that's, uh, that's the late night. <laughs> that's gonna be the uh, the NC seventeen version of the show. All right, and of course we couldn't have a who true freaks podcast without this person wanting to hone in. You may know him from the Fire and Water podcast, the Who's Who podcast. He's a, also the host of the Firestorm fan website. Ladies and gentlemen, it's by my extreme privilege and something. It's early. In the all tired to welcome back to the show the irredeemable one shag sean i'm i'm very afraid i may have to kill you okay <laughs> i'm sorry to hear that it's not but, in my nature but okay well then that, that that does kind of relate into uh the new character of peter capaldi as the doctor so uh but yeah, we're going to be talking about the uh, new Doctor and the new show, Deep Breath, and uh, we'll just go ahead and do a roundtable thing right now, and we'll go ahead and start with our, our first guest. We'll go ahead and start with you, Dr. Bill. Uh, why don't you go ahead and give us your opinion on the show? Uh, well, it, it was good to see Doctor Who back. It's It's been, it feels like it's been, how long has it been? It's been almost eight months, hasn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. since the, the since, Christmas. Since the Christmas, and it's just like, oh, finally, finally we get some new Who. Um, Capaldi is uh, interesting. Um, I'm curious as to where this is going to go. We were given kind of a a new grumpy doctor. It's nice to see a grumpy doctor again. I guess you could say Eccleston was maybe a little grumpy, but not to this extent. And, uh, of course, the war doctor, but, of course, he's he's new and we didn't see him that much. Um, But I... I don't want to say I was let down on some, some things. I don't know. Maybe I'm just kind of holding back, waiting to see where things are going to go. Um, but I do enjoy, still enjoy Clara and the Doctor together. Uh, and it was good to see the old gang back in Victorian England, uh, the Paternoster gang, I believe, mm-hmm. if I pronounced that correctly. But I don't know if they fit in with this Doctor. It seems like they fit in more with, with Matt Smith, but uh, maybe that's... Uh, Maybe that's just my take on it. I don't, or maybe, I I, I don't know. I, it's it's it, I'm still pr- processing a lot of the episode in in in, in the back of my mind because pretty much I saw the episode, came home, went to sleep, and and <laughs> and then we got up to do, to uh, record this morning. So there's 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 still a lot, you know, uh, up there, and uh, I probably want to see it again before I have any you know some really strong feet thoughts on it. Of course, this is much like my synopsis as I do for Back to the Bins Con. as I'm rambling and rambling. Con! <laughs> but, uh, I'll just shut up for now and, uh, we'll, and I'll wake up a little more. <laughs> awesome. Hope you want to go ahead and give uh, some thoughts next? Uh, sure. Um, I'm excited. I, man, this Doctor Who snuck up on me. I just, I didn't even realize. I've I completely forgot it was coming back on until, like, last weekend because <laughs> um, of my life. But um, I, I, I'm really excited to see where they're going with this. I was I, – I, I didn't want to judge Peter Capaldi until I saw him. And first episodes of New Regenerations are always a little bit 
touchy anyway because you're trying to get to know this person and I think it's really easy to be like well I automatically don't like this person and that's easy to do so um, I know for me I didn't like Matt Smith until about two three episodes into his run um, and so I'm, I'm giving Capaldi a few episodes as well before I really start kind of processing him more um, I like that they premiered it on August 23rd because that's Volcano Day, and that is the quote that the Tenth Doctor says in Fires of Pompeii, which was Capaldi's last episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I, I like that, and I feel like there's a lot of continuity things going on in this episode, like uh, like the callback to Girl in the Fireplace and the callback to um, Amy and all those, and I think a lot of those may or may not have been like really kind of smart little things. Um, I know the restaurant scene was probably my favorite scene, um, and I feel like that was the most important scene of last night's episode, and I love the surprise at the end, which I'm sure we'll talk about more later. And but on the Clara front, front, I'm still on the front about her because, or I'm still on the fence about her because I I I keep flip flopping whether or not I actually like her, and usually it's not. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, Shag, you want to go ahead and go hit us with uh, what you thought about the episode? <laughs> well, well, I think. Uh everyone's lack of not going it was amazing is sort of telling I enjoyed it uh, well see like I enjoyed it too but I, I'm just uh, it's it's the first epi- regeneration episode which is always a little bit nerve wracking well see that's where I disagree because you're wrong um, when I watched <laughs> the no fair, 11th hour when I watched Christmas Invasion wait 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 I got this hope wait wait fuck you Shag there, thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Thomas. Thomas you today, Shag. Be nice to me. Thank you, the ghost to Thomas DJ. Um, when I watched Christmas Invasion, by the end of it, I was punching the air, so excited, ready for the next adventure. When I watched Eleventh Hour, same thing. I was so excited. I was like, wow, what a fun, rollicking adventure. I was punching the air. This time, it has nothing to do with Peter Capaldi, because actually I, I was really ready to be in love with his doctor. He just hasn't a chance to show it to us yet. But um, I was like, wow, I just watched an hour, hour and a half apology that Matt Smith's not the doctor anymore. Yeah. Um, and I was disappointed. Now, I'm sort of like, y'all, I'm still processing it, you know. Also, I watched it live out on BBC America. I will never watch Doctor Who with commercials again in oh, my life. Sweet Jesus. Oh, my gosh. That, the, the, I'm certain the show was probably only an hour long, you know, you know, from beginning to end. With all the damn commercials that BBC America put on, it was almost two hours of watching. I will never yeah. watch. I, I, I usually have other ways of watching Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Um and I will go back to those. Forget this. That was that was painful. So I wonder if that's part of what's formulated my opinion. Um, actually, I liked Clara in this one. I liked that they purposely pointed out her flaw, flaws, faults, because before she was just too generic. I like the you know the fact that she's got some negative character traits actually gives her a personality. I like that. And um, I, I'm ready for Peter Capaldi to be one of my favorite doctors. I really am. I was I was ready for that beforehand. I was I'm one of the people that was really excited for him. I, I haven't had a chance to see him play that character yet. The scene in the restaurant was probably the best scene. I think you're right, Hope. So. I mean, to me, that was like the quintessential. Like that's the scene that was defining defining their relationship for the season. Mm-hmm. Well, we also had a couple other people who wanted to let their opinion be known on the show, but they couldn't make the record. So the first one I'm going to go to here now is Chris, the hair metal hero, Tyler, and he's going to give his opinion of the show. 
Alright, deep breath. <laughs> Alright, well, it's that time again. It's time for the doctor to change his face and uh, get a new personality. We got a brief glimpse of him in the 50th anniversary episode, but just the angry eyebrows. And we uh, we got him just a tiny bit at the end of the, uh, I don't know, the Dime of the Doctor, Night of the Doctor. I can't remember the freaking names of all these goddamn things now. And um, it looked like he was going to be playing a little zany with his little introduction there after uh, Matt Smith regenerated. But um, it looks like the zaniness stops relatively quickly after uh, a dinosaur pukes up the TARDIS on the banks of the Thames in Victorian London. Um, what can I say about the episode? Um there was a great deal of it that I enjoyed, mostly because of Peter Capaldi. Um, I'm glad that, and I've said this before, I'm glad that the Doctor is older. I'm extremely glad. Uh, not that I disliked Tennant and Matt Smith. I, I re really enjoyed Matt Smith's run. Um, and it's also very telling that the episode made sure to say that I'm not your boyfriend, Clara. Um... That is the kind of stuff that I think moving forward is going to alienate a lot of New Who fans. Me personally, I'm excited by it. Um, like I said, I'm glad the zaniness with the Doctor ended relatively quickly. Uh, Capaldi, I don't think, can do zany. Um, his face alone is sort of hewn out of rock. It is not a happy face. I mean, the behind-the-scenes pictures of him smiling are great, but... This doctor is troubled. Um, I'm glad he's troubled. I don't think we're going to get as many light episodes with him. Um, I love the fact that he mentions having seen his face before. If they're going to tie him somehow back into the fires of Pompeii, and uh, I guess he was on an episode of Torchwood as well, fantastic. I, I can't wait to see what the explanation is. Um... Clara continues to be Clara after her Impossible Girl storyline. She really has not had much to do other than to be easy on the eyes, which she still is. Um, I liked seeing Jenny, Vaster, and Strax again. They're always fun. What they added to the episode, though, I don't know, other than it, it might just be a callback to the fact that the Doctor still thinks of them as... Uh, friends in a time of need, especially when he was at his lowest after uh, the dismissal of, of the pawns. Um, the episode definitely was uneven. I, I, I didn't think it was terrible. Um, and I enjoyed pretty much every bit with the doctors, you know, especially with him trying to figure out who he is. Um, and his and his line at the end of you you can't even see me do you know how that feels that i think is going to go a long way towards the tone of the season um it's it's just such an odd duck and i and i know this happens every time there's a new doctor um i mean it seems like D david tennant really just sort of p it picked up and went i mean we were already well in the midst of a of a storyline, sort of. Um, 
it just sort of barreled along. And Matt Smith, there was so much pop in his first appearance all alone in the TARDIS. And then, you know, his interaction with the young Amy Pond. Uh, it's, you know, I think that's going to actually be kind of hard to top. Um, but, uh, this doctor is not, is not well. He's, there's more to him. There's a, there's an edge to him that I think we're going to see let loose later on. Uh, I mean, the doctor even calls out himself that, you know, his, his, he's, he's cross looking. Um, and he doesn't really know why yet. And, and I would like to know why, why he feels so cross. Um, the villains, the, you know, the clockwork robots, pretty cool. But again, I think they were done better in the, uh, the girl in the fireplace. I mean, it's nice that they're bringing back some of the newer villains. Uh, it's just meh. I mean, I, you know, the episode was not about the villains. It was about the doctor and Clara. Um, they do tease some good mysteries in it, though. Um, who was the Who was the lady at the end that said she was uh, the You know, the doctor was her boyfriend. I don't know. Do we know? I, I don't know. You get you people have to tell me. Um, is she the one who put the ad in the paper to keep the doctor and Clara together? I don't know. Is is the is is you know the old older lady with the it's was her name Missy Jesus see that's that's how little of an impression she actually left is she going to be an older version of Clara or something I don't know like I said it's interesting um yeah the the and I'll reiterate the you know the doctor having seen his own face before but not remembering where also an interesting mystery um I I can't see this doctor sticking I can't see the Clara sticking around with this doctor for too long, even with the phone call from the past from Matt Smith. Um I, I don't know why they did that. Um you know, you're trying to introduce your new doctor, don't recall <laughs> so soon the previous doctor's face. Um I did like the fact that Clara had a very difficult time with it. Um, I imagine in real life, if that was to happen, if you had a loved one that suddenly looked completely different, sounded completely different, and was acting different, it would be very difficult to take. Um, I just, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I, I, I liked, I liked Capaldi. I loved Capaldi, and I thought he was great. Loved his little rant about his eyebrows, wanting to secede. <laughs> that was, that was clever. Um, I'm intrigued by what Moffat and Gaddis have in store for us. I don't know how it's going to play out. I don't know how dark they're going to go. I mean, I can't imagine them going too, too dark. It is still a children's show. Um, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure that there's going to be <laughs> teen fangirls that are very upset by this change. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why I like it so much. Not that I have any problem with you fangirls. I just, you know, with this character, change is part of it. And if you get a little pissed off about a change, it kind of makes for good drama. Um, there was a lot of meta commentary on this. Um, almost every line that anybody had was in relation to the fact that it was not 
the doctor that you've come to know and love and we should really give this guy a chance because of blah 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 thought that was a little heavy handed um, I don't think Doctor Who should ever go meta I think it works better when it's just trying to tell its story um, the effects were actually very good I, I, I'm pretty sure the BBC slashed the budget but then against Doctor Who they're always going to slash the budget because they know people will watch it anyway uh, the dinosaur looked good for the two minutes it was on screen um, I liked the new title sequence. I think I've already seen people bitching about it. I guess it was a fan composition that Moffat wanted to introduce. I liked it. I liked the, the arrangement for the theme tune. You know, it's kind of part and parcel. You're going to get a change every season of the theme tune. Um, it's just, it was very uneven. It gives me some hope, and there, I also have some fear about the remainder of the season. Um that being said, I, I think I'm going to have a standing date still with uh, with this new doctor who's uh, wearing a very fit trim suit and Doc Martens for some reason. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I, I, liked, I like Capaldi. I'll say it again. Enjoyed most of the characters. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what the future holds. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, but if they if they keep the characterization of the Doctor as it is, as somewhat of a mystery, as a grump, um, they will have my undivided attention every Saturday night at 9 o'clock. Um, that's about it. Um, yeah. Hair Metal Hero. Out. Of course, no Two True Freaks show would be complete without some opinion from our UK contingent. And to fill that quota, we've got a review from Mr. Stephen Lacey. Put David Tennant into deep breath, and you'd have something that sounds like this. Don't breathe. Breathe, and you're dead. They are fast, faster than you can believe. Don't turn your back, don't look away, and don't breathe. Good luck. Conversely, if you put Peter Capaldi into Blink, his DVD message would probably have sounded like this. I'm more important than you! Capaldi was superb, his unbalanced and off-kilter doctor working to provide laughs, tension and a feeling of unease throughout. For every shush, there was a there's no point in both of us being cold. For every T-Rex flirtation, there was a I might need it. His doctor was arresting and supremely watchable. Jenna Coleman, too, was absolutely wonderful. I'm sure there's a good reason for her character forgetting all about how regeneration worked following name, day and time of the doctor, but her energy and pace, which worked so well when bounced off of Matt Smith, served as an excellent tonic to the more measured Capaldi. I honestly don't think she's been better. And a notable mention has to be made of Peter Ferdinando, who played the half-faced man. This was a villain made in the performance. His unblinking gaze and unusual ways of holding his body made for a riveting performance. Less welcome for me were the Paternoster Square gang. I've not had a problem with their use in the past, so they served the plot of the episode that they were in. Here, though, they felt like crowd-pleasing cameos, helping boost the episode to its cinematic length without actually contributing a huge amount to the plot. I'd still love to see them in their own spin-off, if only so that they could follow a plotline of their own from start to finish, without having to hand attention over to the Doctor. And talking of plots, you'd have to admit that the plot for this episode was fairly light, and stretched thinner than Lady Cassandra. 
Unlike Day of the Doctor, which rocketed through its 75 minutes and still left you wanting more, I spent most of the last half hour of this episode being impatient for the end. I didn't find the reusing of the clockwork androids to be enough to support an extra length episode, and things seemed to take a very long time to go, well, not very far at all. Strip out all of the stuff with a dinosaur and you'd have a nice tight 45 minute episode, although you'd probably lose a couple of million pounds in cinema tickets around the world. Where this episode shone was in three extended scenes with Peter Capaldi. The first, in the alley with the tramp, who incidentally was played by Elizabeth Sladen's widower, did more to convince me of the doctor's imbalance than any amount of dancing on rooftops. The second, in the restaurant with Clara, where Capaldi let his subtle comic talents out. And finally, in the confrontation with the half-faced man, with reflections in the tray and the broom analogy. Top-notch writing, excellently framed by director Ben Wheatley. Overall, Deep Breath had some very good parts, but its length and slower place means that it just didn't come together for me. Which is a shame, a big part of why I loved Matt Smith's Doctor was the brilliance of the 11th hour. I already like Peter Capaldi, I know that, but I get the feeling that it's despite his opening adventure rather than because of it. Well, if you're not shag, I'll go ahead and go with mine. Um, I agree, uh, unlike the 11th hour, which I think was, if not the best, one of the best Matt Smith episodes this one really didn't light my fire i mean i enjoyed capaldi i too was ready for an older doctor i was ready for the doctor not to be so much of a heartthrob i mean i'm I, I i'm sorry but you know i like the doctor to be mysterious and engaging and have wonderful relationships with his companions but i think the the whole thing and again i hate bringing this up, up hope between rose and the doctor was just not for me you know, I want to see uh, Capaldi work with Clara and, you know, have a relationship with them, but it not have to be a, ro- or at least somewhat a romantic relationship. Um, Capaldi, you know, regeneration episodes, like you said, are always difficult because no one knows how they're going to play the Doctor. And for for the beginning of it, it was kind of difficult because he just was annoying and abrasive and just not very interesting but by the end i think when he finally came to and you could relate that this this isn't a completely different person there is something of the doctor in capaldi you know that relates back to the previous iterations of him then you could actually get into the character um i'm glad that they set it up with uh Bastra and Jenny and Strax. I always loved that. Mm-hmm. I, I do think Strax's humor was played a bit too broad in points. You know, the examination scene where he's uh, looking over uh, Clara was just a bit, a bit too much. I mean, Strax when he's being over the top is fun, but you know, you use it in limited amounts. Um, at the end of the episode, I think they left something open when. Uh, doctor dealt or had his final solution with the uh the android to whether or not this was you know this was something that uh was purpose of you know especially when he was uh bringing him up in the airship and he was going to send him to heaven whether it was the doctor yeah did he push him or did he jump did the other guy jump yeah so and it was left it was left sort of you know ambiguous uh, yeah it was left ambiguous so that you could you know, you weren't certain whether or not it was the doctor doing this or the android or whatever. So I, I like that. But yeah, overall, it's it's nice setup. You want more, but it compared to previous regeneration episodes, especially the eleventh hour, which I will always harp on being one of my favorite episodes. It it 
wasn't the best, which is which is disappointing. And Moffat's writing didn't feel as strong as he had in other episodes. But you know, yeah, we also came we just came off you know the the final the final episode for Matt Smith and the Christmas episode and the fiftieth the the fiftieth oh yeah the fiftieth I think is by far the pinnacle of Doctor Who I mean it was cinematic it was it was well scripted it was tight but and I guess my final note is yes BBC America quit putting commercials in the show I loved the one time when they originally aired the day of the doctor the 50th anniversary that's the right that's the one isn't it Mm -hmm. okay when they originally aired it they aired it complete no commercial breaks all the way through it was a seamless narrative and it worked every time they've aired it after that they've aired it with commercials and certain points and it's broken up the flow and it the commercials did the same thing here so I guess it must be nice living in the UK where you don't have necessarily, you know, stations that feel the need to put in a commercial every 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there yeah. we go. It's funny because I, I watched Day of the Doctor on BBC America, the uninterrupted. I thought it was great, so that's why I decided to watch this one this way. Not thinking about the commercial aspect of it. So, yeah, it sucked. Hmm. <laughs> And they have like they like cut out like um they always clip it a little bit because if an episode is sixty minutes like they'll clip it down um to like forty two so like if um, when we get back to our normal formatted episodes um I know in the past I've had to go back and and watch rewatch episodes unedited because BBC America will clip them down to like forty two minutes um uh. commercials yeah I've seen that when they re aired uh. You know, and like when they re-aired after like the initial airing of Day of the Doctor with commercials, they've clipped not significant points out, but little little points out that just you know shade in the story. So that's kind of disappointing. You know, damn it, BBC America! If you want, if you want to show BBC shows, at least show them without the shit tons of commercials. You know, Shag, you said something that I think I tried to put my finger on last night that I said to because I got together with a group of friends. I never, I never touched your wife. Okay, Let's just make that <laughs> yeah. perfectly clear. That's okay. I don't either. Anyway, oh, uh, <laughs> never mind. Now it's time. Go ahead. What were you going to say <laughs> before I did that? Yeah. Uh, uh, no, but uh, we had got got together, and a- after uh, the the show was over. I one of the things I said was, uh, all right. So do you think that whole the whole thing with Clara was a metaphor for? And I didn't put it together the way you said that it was an apology that Matt Smith wasn't the Doctor, but I said that that whole thing was like a message to the younger female fans saying, look, the Doctor's still here. He's he's still in this old guy. So don't run away now because you know your honey bun is gone. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but but uh, you put it much more eloquently, I guess, than I did. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, knew, I knew them their words. Hope being me. Being <laughs> well, I think, I think it's just young fans in general, because um, this is the first really kind of older Doctor of New Who. Because um, I know it's it's not just females, FYI. There's a lot of young fans in general. Well, but there was that whole "I'm not your boyfriend." That was. Right. That I wish that even come from. I mean, that was directed at Tumblr. <laughs> no, but no, but because like I was watching, uh, that that was like the when that came up last night, and Capaldi was um, the doctor told Clara that I was like, 
when did Smith and Clara ever flirt? Like, I never saw them romantic, and so it felt like I was getting welled in the face with a plot point that wasn't there. I don't know. There was always a... I, I, it always seemed like there was a little... Not 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 heavy flirting, romantic flirting, but the playful flirting you have with a close close friend. That and but even in this episode, she seemed to slip up and say things that she had felt that way. You know, I See, think I, I don't know if I just wasn't looking for it, but I also just don't really. I I've yet to really connect to Clara, so usually when she's talking, I'm really not paying attention to her. <laughs> and I think we, as the audience, since we saw the Doctor's sort of obsession with who wanting to know who Clara was, it it kind of led to people maybe believing that there was something more the Doctor wanted to have with Clara than just a simple, you know, companion relationship. So maybe the obsessiveness of Matt Smith's doctor in trying to figure out what's going on with her led people to believe that there was something there. I would also say, you know, from the start, along those same lines, you know, he was kissing her on the forehead at her very first appearance, you know, and giving her the TARDIS key and all this stuff and got very emotional towards her. Then it sort of also backwardsly explains a scene that I didn't understand in Matt Smith's last episode when Clara makes the doctor come to her parents' dinner and poses her boyfriend. Uh, remember he shows up naked and all that nonsense? Mm -hmm. That scene was just wasted to me. I never really understood it. That's but a it, girl thing. You don't... Cause no, no, you... no, no, no. I get, I get where... Let me, let me finish my thought real quick. I get why a human a girl would want to do that. But what I'm saying is I never understood why it was in the episode. Mm -hmm. And now maybe that was simply to make this payoff where he's saying, I'm not your boyfriend. Maybe that's where that scene was in the Matt Smith episode. I don't know. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, I, so it's not a girl thing you started to say. Oh, no, I was just... It's okay. But maybe... Because that scene, I, I just never understood. I'm like, why did they put that scene in that episode? With him walking around naked and him pretending to be her boyfriend? It just bugged the crowd. Like, it didn't make any sense. I, I think... I always took that scene as, like, you know, they're just trying to show, like, normal human relationships. There's a lot of, like, little character scenes that might not fit in the overall plot, but they're character scenes. Yeah, it's true. So. Yeah, it could just be it. But it just, I thought that that why was the Why was Strax examining Clara? Like, what did that have to do with anything? Why was... So that he could say all her character flaws. Because he started talking about her being... Um, all the different... Pro all her character flaws and started bringing them out. So then yeah, when but, Peter but Capaldi... That's, a, like, that, that's the point I'm trying to make. It doesn't, like, you know, affect the plot overall, but it's a character scene. Okay. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Well, uh, do we want to go ahead and get into, you know, some of the characters, you know, uh, bringing back, like I said, Foster and Jenny and Strax, I think it was nice to see them, but it does kind of feel like they were more of a part of Matt Smith's thing. And this is kind of just a, they were just kind of there for transitional purposes to say, look, we're transitioning from Matt to this new doctor here. They are to sort of ease you into who this character is going to be. But, uh, I, I don't want to have them see them back every couple of episodes to keep relating back to Matt Smith. I want Peter Capaldi to be his, be his own doctor and do his own thing. Uh, as much as I love Strax and I think that he's funny, I think they need to be shelved for a while. What about you guys? I want them to have their own miniseries. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love the three of them together so much. Um, I... I always enjoy uh, and love seeing them, and I like how they've grown over time. Um, and because, and, like, I, I feel like in the first time we saw them as a trio, you know, they were still kind of in the shadows. But I, 
and this one, you know, the police inspector is coming to them, and I feel I've enjoyed watching the, them grow as characters and grow in this kind of like weird alien Sherlock Holmes kind of business that they have, and I, I I always enjoy seeing them, but I do agree that they do probably need to take a break for a while, even though I would be sad if I didn't see them again for like another season. Um, their unit. I mean, that's that's what they are. They're they're his 18th century unit. Or 19th century unit. I never really associated that, but that's a perfect analogy. Yeah. Um, that because you know, like, uh, if if you look back, and I just had a, a bit of an epiphany, so I'm going to go off on a tangent in a second. But um, you know, if you look at what's his name, Eccleston, Eccleston's quote unquote base, his home base, if you will, was always to go back to Rose's parents. You know, they always dealt with 20th century Rose and Mickey, whatever, or 21st century, and then. Um, with Matt Smith, he was kind of all over the board. You know, it was with, when he was with Amy, he didn't really have a base that they went back to. Towards the end, I guess it was her house. And then he did go to Drax and them. Um, I can't remember what they call that group. But anyway, so I, I'm actually okay if Capaldi comes back here every third, every fourth episode. I wouldn't mind. I, I'd be fine. I love the group. I think they're funny. I think they've developed them in such a way that they're even more interesting when they first started now. And I, I would love to continue to see them. Well, yeah, that... That'd be interesting now that you mentioned them as sort of a analog to unit. That'd be kind of nice, and that'd be a way, you know, to sort of tie it back to, you know, the original iterations of Doctor Who. At least, you know, going from like the third Doctor on. So that'd be cool. Yep. Or it's actually a second Doctor. Well, when, well, really, but when specifically became, did Unit come into play? Well, they first appeared in the second Doctor episodes, but they became a mainstay in the third Doctor. They were okay. there every episode. So there you go. Um, I got more to share on that, and that's going to take us in maybe a different direction. Let Bill answer your question, then, if you don't mind, come back to me. Okay. Well, like I said earlier, that I, I, I and you, you guys mentioned, I felt that they're more like a, a a Matt Smith trope than you know. But but I guess we'll see how they go in in the future. Um, I'm. I'm not saying I was upset that they were there, but it makes sense that they were there, considering that the you know the time frame that he that he that he came back into. But of course, they they wrote that that way, so you know. Um, I don't want to sound prudish, but how many times did they have to mention that they were married? Like I know they're married. It's just like every time you turn around, oh, you know, we're married, we're married, we're married. It's, oh, okay, all right, stop beating me over the head with it. Move on. That's true. It was pretty. Yeah, it, was just, it was. It was just odd. It's just because it's. I don't remember it being such a, a a big deal in the other ones. My stupid dog is barking again. That's okay. <laughs> it's a, I had the same feeling about Drax and Guardians of the Galaxy because you should only have to mention once that uh, a character thing. But with Drax and Guardians of the Galaxy, it was like my wife and kid died. My wife and kid died. My wife and kid died. I'm doing this for my wife and kid who died. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Yeah, the, it is kind of a hanging a lantern on it, you know, just the bringing it up far too often. So I was hanging a lighthouse on it. <laughs> essentially, yeah. But um, I, you know, I can't really explain why they'd be doing that because you know, yes, we get it and you get that they're in love, but yeah, that is kind of odd why they just you know accentuate that all the time. Because strong writing is showing, not telling, and they were constantly telling us, "Well, let's show them together." I, I thought, I thought probably the best scene. Um, that really showed their relationship is when Jenny like smacks Vastra on the head and she hissed at him. Like that's kind of like their weird little <laughs> marriage. I mean, so those are much stronger scenes than constantly telling us. 
Mm-hmm. And then she's uh, and then she's posing, and and you think she's actually doing a portrait of her. That was hilarious. That was funny. That cracked my crap up. <laughs> and then she spins it around, and it's it's got all this all all the flags and the map of London. It's, it's the what, what is that? It's the David Duchovny X Files map where he's plotting out you know the aliens being here and all that. So yeah, that was that was clever. That and the show and was like, pep- well, well, why am I doing this? Will you brighten up the room? <laughs> The show was peppered with little moments, but overall, this maybe maybe Moffat's getting a bit tired with this because I don't consider this to be his best effort. Do we, you know, what do we think about you know the overall writing of this? Um, I think a lot of it is also because sorry, come back to me. I'm trying to get my thoughts together. Okay, no problem. Okay. Well, let me let me let me step back though because I'm going to go back to the Drax and them and address a point about who they are and their con- and how they fit the show and then I'm going to blow your mind. Uh-oh. Okay. Um, so the Doctor stumbles out of the TARDIS. Drax and, and the gang... I can't remember what the... Strax. The Paternoster? What, what, say that again? The Paternoster? Paternoster, thank you. The Paternoster gang's there. And, um... Dude, this show, because of who they are and how they represent the Doctor's home base, this episode is a remake of Christmas Invasion. And... Forgive me as I go through this. There's probably big plot holes in my theory just then. But if you look at it, the beginning of Christmas Invasion, David Tennant, just regenerated, stumbles out of the TARDIS, talks to Mickey and Rose's mom, collapses. And they're like, who's this? Where's the doctor? And Rose Mm -hmm. goes, he's there. He's right in front of you. That's the doctor. Same thing happens here. He comes out, talks to his old friends. Clara says the same kind of line. Then he spends almost half the episode, well, not half the but he spends a large chunk of the, of the episode in bed in a dressing gown. Runs around London in a dressing gown. Um, the very ending, when, he, you know, Matt, or David Tennant, at first when we thought he was going to be a really dark and scary doctor, he was very dark and intense, and he killed the Sycorax guy. And he was, you know, no, more, no second chances and all that. And then this episode... You know, he's very dark, intense. He kills the bad guy. It's like, oh my gosh, wait a minute. And again, I'm sure as we think about this, we can poke a bunch of holes in this. But I suspect that they were trying to, when they were, you know, obviously they were worried about Capaldi taking over. Otherwise, this episode wouldn't have been an apology. Um, oh, also, there you go. Rose was struggling with Doctor changing the whole episode of Christmas Invasion. Clara was struggling the whole time here, too. Mm-hmm. Anyway, maybe what they did was they looked back and said, okay, what was successful last time there was a big change? And they just tried to pick up a lot of the story threads that they used in that when David Tennant became the Doctor. That makes sense, but you know that also that also sort of belies the fact that Moffat's a really good writer and shouldn't have to fall back on you know re baby basically rehashing issues that came up. Uh, I've got to assume that it was uh, Russell T Davies. Well, I don't know who wrote. Is is he a good writer? Uh, or was it? Russell. Or was it? Or was it? I'm talking about. I'm but no, Stephen who Moffat. wrote the Christmas Invasion? Uh, that was Davies. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I think Moffat's. But, you know, uh, but it, this doesn't seem like his good, his best work. Day again. Yeah. I come back to to Day of the Doctor. That was phenomenal, and that was written by Moffat. But this just felt sort of, sort of, meh, to to use the internet vernacular. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I. I, I'm Sean very... has turned into Grumpy Cat. Uh. Man. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm very... I, I'm always a little biased to Moffat, um, because my first two episodes of Doctor Who was Girl in the Fireplace and then Blink. And yep. so I, I'm always a little bit... Um, 
bias towards Moffat, but I, I I agree. I didn't feel like this is a strong work, and I'm wondering if it's not because of just this, but also a lot of creative energy and juices are going to, to Sherlock, because as they were filming this, they were running Sherlock and writing that, and season four is being written right now for Sherlock. So I'm, I'm wondering if being a showrunner for two shows is really affecting him. Well, the whole back, you know, there's huge chunks of the last seasons um, that left me cold. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't like last season really. Um, after the pawns left, I, I wasn't really fond of Clara's stuff at all. But, but the pawns stuff was brilliant, and that's why I have to wonder because like the first half was really great, and you had a lot of great episodes like dinosaurs on a spaceship, and you had um, like even the angel taking Manhattan, even though it was like sad and it had like some weak points, it was still a really good hit you in the gut episode. And I just don't feel that. I don't know if it was just Clara, but I just feel like ever since she's come in, um, and I'm not blaming this on Clara, but I, I haven't really been enjoying this run of Who with Matt Smith or even up to now. And even, uh, I need to go back and rewatch Day of the Doctor because I was, I thought it was okay, but I never was really like lo- in love with Day of the Doctor, and I never got a chance to talk to you guys about that. You don't love Day of the Doctor? But I need to go back and rewatch it. Um, I only watched it once, and I think, and I usually, um, I'll, I tend to enjoy Doctor Who if I watch it two or three times and then can like really process it but I remember initially not being really blown away by it Sean hang up on her <sighs> Shag that's impolite and besides I love her opinion so again uh, I, I'll have to uh, I'll have to uh, invoke the Thomas DJ clause of fuck you Shag <sighs> yay people uh, <laughs> But, you know, I, I, I can understand that hope. And if you do go watch Day at the Doctor, please, please, please don't watch it on BBC America because they'll <laughs> cut it down and they'll right. fill it in with shit tons of commercials. Well, my daughter, Sarah, when we got done watching this, I, I, I was kind of watching her, gauging her reactions because it was towards the end of uh, last season where she got interested in Doctor Who and then she basically force-fed herself all the all the new all the modern doctor stuff and she the biggest bump came when Matt Smith was on on mm. on screen when when we've got at the end when the phone call came and she's talking to the doctor on her phone and she's outside the TARDIS while the new doctor is standing watching her and of course he would well I guess at this point he was remembering that he had called her cuz you know he says you know who's on the phone and uh, but she that seemed to get the biggest you know there was a group of t- of, of uh, t- teenage girls in there and they were all like ooh it's Matt Smith ooh I I clutched my face and just started tearing up <laughs> oh yeah they they're all because oh. I was live tweeting the episode because um, I've been I've been live tweeting a lot of stuff on like Twitter for different shows so I was live tweeting the episode and when that happened I just stopped writing for pretty much to the end of the episode. Yeah. See, and that's disappointing for me, the fact that the big jump in the show was the fact that they referenced Matt Smith and, you know, that they had that, that again, that it felt like such an apology that, you know, no, we're sorry. It's not going to be Matt Smith anymore, but please like our new doctor. He's the same. He really is. You'll like him. And that just it doesn't bode well for the show ongoing. I hope I, I I expect Peter Capaldi to be great. I think he's an amazing actor. I think he's got a lot of charm and charisma. And I think he pulled off, you know, the Doctor really well. But 
I, I think people just aren't ready to let go of Matt Smith quite yet. Well, see, I saw it a different way. I saw it as, um, you have to keep in mind, as a new Whovian like, like me, this is my first time having an old grumpy doctor. I've never experienced this before, and and so I, I think it's um, kind of a nice kind of... Um, oh gosh, where did my help, help, uh, nice Tran- transition? Yeah, thank you. Um, huh, guys, if you ever want to know, do not ever record a podcast when, you, when you're sick. <laughs> you, you can't talk. Um, uh, I think it's a very nice transition transition for, for a new Whovian like me because we've never had that kind of older grandpa, grumpy doctor that like some of the earlier doctors were. I I, I kind of felt the same way. I did almost like do a little gasp when Matt Smith showed up. It was a nice emotional, you know, like wow kind of moment. But then I got mad. Then the same sort of thing Sean was saying. It's like, damn it, let Peter Capaldi stand on his own. I don't need Matt Smith to tell me to like Peter Capaldi. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can see where you're saying the transition needed. But you know, when they transitioned from um, what's his name, uh, Christopher Eccleston, to David Tennant, I mean. There was probably 10 to 15 years age difference between those guys. Now, admittedly, he wasn't old, old. But it's like, I don't know, I, I just wanted to cheer for Capaldi and move on, I guess. You know, but... I, I think the difference between Eccleston and Tennant, though, the difference is, um, I think, Tennant's more of the traditional heartthrob. And so, a lot, and, and it's, pro- it's really shallow, but it's easier to transition to someone who's like a really kind of cutesy heartthrob, pretty face. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and to be honest, really, I'm trying to think back to the regenerations, especially with the new who. Was there any real callback after? I mean, there might have been. And I remember the 11th hour, they did that montage scene of the various iterations of the doctors. And he walked through and said that he was. But there was never specifically like David Tennant made a cameo saying, look, except this new doctor, he's going to be great. I think this is the really the first time, maybe first, even in, in the entirety of the show, that this has happened. Correct. First time ever. Yeah, so, and, and usually it's a schluffing off and casting off of the old Doctor, as with uh, Peter da- uh, when da- when Davidson was un- unraveling the scarf, and everyone's, oh, <gasps> what? What are you doing? That's Tom Baker's scarf. Oh, this stuff. Oh, you, you son of a... Yeah, so... Exactly. You know, I, I agree. I, I want to see Capaldi stand on his own. And, you know, I understand a lot of trepidations about it. But again, you know, let him stand on his own. That's I think that's one of the things that kind of also didn't make the episode as good as it possibly could have been. Um, do we want to talk about any of the uh, spoilers at the end and where we think that's going to be going? Hope well, you're... I, I know we haven't really talked about Capaldi as the doctor and we haven't talked about Clara. So okay. we want to do the characters and then finish up with like any okay because i know i i want to do just a brief mention of the new tardis and the new opening and but um we haven't actually talked about capaldi as the doctor and we haven't talked about clara okay go for it hope oh crap um um <laughs> 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 open mouth insert foot damn um i actually um no <laughs> i'll give you a minute to think how's Thank that you. um i want to talk about the new opening <laughs> I, I, my mouth hung open when the new opening started because I, I don't know if you guys like McGee. I saw that opening months and months and months ago on the internet under the label of being something a fan produced 
as being what the next Doctor Who theme or next Doctor Who opening should be. I don't think it was frame for frame, but it was hmm. pretty much that same exact thing with the cogs, the gears, the clocks, all of that. And I'm like, oh my god! And I'm thinking, oh, I wonder if BBC produced that and leaked it as a fan thing hmm. to see what reaction was. Or if they just loved it and bought it from the guy. i got to find out now because I watched, I watched that thing months ago. See, I and, never... Oh, go ahead. No, I, just, I love it. I think it's awesome. No, I agree. It, uh, it, it kind of harkens back to sort of the, the Twilight Zone kind of feel. It's got that sort of Twilight Zone feel. I'm not too down on the new iteration of the theme. It's... Oh, I didn't even pay attention. I was so into the visuals. <laughs> the, the visuals were great. I, I really liked it. I thought it was yeah, really there's, unique. There's something in the theme that, yeah, I couldn't put, put my finger on it. It just kind of like, I mean, the titles were okay. And I loved when Capaldi's eyes came up. <laughs> I think that's going to be pretty much the, yeah, like that, the emphasis that, of the entire that season. That was cool, but there's something in the music that just bugged me. But, 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 but the sequence wasn't bad. Was it subdued? Was it like a little more? No, it seems. I don't know. It's it, it, like it, it's... it didn't seem as bombastic. It didn't have that sort of you know uh, kind of John Williams esque type feel. It was just very kind of you know, like I said, subdued. It, I feel like it whined. Kind it of. Very, it was very high pitched and kind of whiny. Hmm. Kind of. Yeah. Whiny. Yeah. Like I <laughs> said, like Thomas DJ. Oh. <laughs> but I um. I agree. Like I loved the visuals of it, um, but the season four theme, if I remember correctly, is still my favorite because it just like busting with the drums. It's like, bum bum, but a bum bum. Like it just like kicks in the door with the theme, and I've always liked that one because it always felt like it was a very big adventure. Um, but I don't know. Ever since that one, I, I, there hasn't been like music-wise a theme that I've been really really into. But I really like the visuals of this one. Though I miss the orange to blue space time temporal shifts. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Yeah, they, yeah, I always like those. They moved it away the time corridor thing, and you know, the, it's more abstract, which is which is neat. But you know, I think it's you're a still nice going down space. a tunnel though. I mean, you're still That's going true. down a circular tunnel. That's always been ever since. Um, I don't know. Probably. Well, I guess even the first one had sort of a central tunnel theme. Mm-hmm. It just looked funky. Well, yeah. and they, they give it, the, with the gears and everything, it gives a sort of clock feel, so that also is a nice little uh, visual reference there. I love it. Absolutely love it. All right, Hope, you ready to talk about characters? Oh, uh, yes. Oh, heck, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No. I spent uh, that entire time going, wow, they didn't listen to me at all. Well, because I thought we were about to talk about the characters. Well, okay, then we'll talk about this. And I didn't. I told think, you I'd but... give you some time to think. It was like I thought, yeah, I, I thought you were ignoring me. It's okay. <laughs> no, All right, I will focus. Um, do you guys idea. want to talk about Clara the Doctor first? Let's do Clara first. Why not? Okay, good, because I can rant on her. So, <laughs> so my thing with Clara, um, and and I'm still so on the fence about what I feel about her because I loved her in Asylum of the Daleks. Like, that was, that is just still probably my favorite Clara episode to this day, is in it, because it's so strong, and it's so, it's her first introduction, and she's so witty and charming, and she's the souffle girl, and that's what I like about her, she's just souffle girl. Um, But then when we get into her new season, I feel like for most of her first season, she's very much a Mary Sue. Do you guys know what a Mary Sue is? Mm -hmm. Might want to explain it for the people at home, though. Alright, so a Mary Sue is a term in fan fiction 
where is where you have like the most perfect girl and she can't do anything wrong and she's like usually overpowered and everybody likes her and she doesn't have a lot of flaws and even people who shouldn't like her learn to love her and they're usually like a little clumsy and and, and it's just like a term for fan fiction for someone who's like you try to write flaws and she doesn't have flaws and that's how I felt for most first season because she was just the impossible girl and there's like this obsession with her being like the one to always save the doctor and she just felt like and they didn't really go into a lot of her faults a lot and I don't and like the doctor would like would constantly overlook some faults because she was the impossible girl so I wasn't a very big uh, fan of her because she was very Mary Sue I felt like in the 50th though was the first time I actually saw Clara as a character since Asylum of the Daleks because uh, it was after the whole post of Impossible Girl finale and stuff, so she wasn't really the Impossible Girl anymore. She was sort of like Souffle Girl, and uh, um, and so like I feel like I was seeing her as a person, and that went into Time of the Doctor too. She wasn't that impossible thing. She was just Clara, and I really kind of started liking her in those two episodes. But I went back to not liking her in this one because I just felt like she was very whiny and she was very I, I felt like she was very childish in this episode she, like she, this isn't my doctor and I want my doctor back and and I and I and even then when they were like pointing out all her flaws I, I, I wasn't quite feeling like why they were doing this in the first place I'd rather see it and that even though them pointing it out brought out those flaws and I and I really enjoyed those moments so I, I just feel like they did a lot of backpedaling in this episode and I just I've yet to fill Clara, and I wish they would go back to some of that the magic to her very first episode where she was just a girl and not the impossible girl. And like when I saw that little article in the newspaper, I was like, "Oh no, the Mary Sue is back." Um, you said you didn't really feel her. I I wouldn't mind doing that. But anyway, um, I had to say that because I'm that terrible of a person. I enjoyed her in this episode because I felt like they. Um, well, let me back up. I was actually just like you, Hope, as far as I couldn't stand her in her first set of appearances when she was a companion. I felt like she was just there. Didn't they never really explain why she was traveling with the doctor. She never, they never explained anything other, along those lines, why she was interested in going and the mystery behind her. I frankly couldn't care less. And then it was exactly the same place. It was around time of the doctor that I started accepting. I was like, okay, she really is a companion. Mm-hmm. I think I know why she acted this way. This episode is, do, do you know who Superboy Prime is in comic books? I'm familiar with it. Okay. Superboy Prime was a cipher Jeff Johns created for his series of comics to be the fanboy in the in the issue. When the fanboys were ranting and raving online about stuff that he was writing or whatever and he didn't like that, he would put that same characterization into Superboy Prime and try and show them why they're wrong. He, he basically was arguing with fandom through this character. And I think that's what Clara is, is that once they announced Peter Capaldi, a bunch of people lost their mind and were so upset about the new casting of the new Doctor. And I think this is their, unfortunately, reaction to basically say, well, here's you in the episode and we're going to tell you why you're wrong. That That's a very good, you know, uh, that, that's very well pointed out. And I think you hit on something there, Shag. That's, that's a perfect way for Moffat to address the fans who may 
feel trepidation about Capaldi coming in and taking over as the Doctor. And by showing it on screen in this method, giving a character who's actually a transition from the Matt Smith Doctor to the Capaldi Doctor, letting her have these uh, feelings and bringing him out and addressing him on the show, it's kind of, uh, in essence, a way to to quell the problems that a lot of those fans might have. So I think you, I think he nailed it with that. Man, well, if, now the new... if Thomas were here, he'd, he'd be shocked. <laughs> he'd argue with me. Well, well, now the new doctor will definitely take the piss out of her. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to be as uh, coddling, maybe, as Matt Smith was to her. I hope that's the case. I mean, based on what we've seen, he could turn around after an episode or two and start acting very... I mean, again, look at David Tennant's first episode. No, that's the true. way he was later. He's a completely different character in his first appearance. I don't know. He's Scottish. I, <laughs> I love that. I can complain oh, about Scottish. stuff, and I'll probably blame the English. <laughs> did anyone have trouble understanding some of his, like, quiet, jokey lines? Like, what did he say? Yeah. I I, yeah. I usually, you know, I hate to say this, and it's no offense to our to our good friends over in the UK, but a lot of times I will have to watch the show, then go rewatch it with the the closed captioning on, because there are some things that I miss because either the dialogue was too rapid fire or the accents just sometimes, you know, don't don't click with me. And I apologize to her again to our UK friends, but sometimes your funny accents just don't work over here in the United States. Y'all talk uh, funny. You should learn English properly. That's yeah, okay. I have to do that with Paul, with Paul on Back to the Bins all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, so they, 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 other than Drax scanning her, um, I'm sorry, talking about Clara again, a lot of her earlier appearances, they just kept hitting us over the head again and again and again, them saying how pretty she was. I mean, like in her first few episodes, they must have said it four times, how pretty she was. And it got kind of old as far as like, okay, guys, I know whoever writes the show, whoever's producer, whatever's got the hots for her. I get it. Fine. Thank you. Um, but let's just focus on the show. And they kept talking about it. They didn't play that up at all this time, at least unless I missed it. Did, I don't. Go ahead. Did, you know, watching this, there's certain scenes that last season, you know, when she, she was in, it seemed like every time they showed her, she looked beautiful. And I don't. It, and you mentioning that because watching it last night, I thought, you know, she doesn't look as attractive. Is it because she's being so bitchy or are they just filming her different? She didn't look she looked different to me for some reason. Like I maybe it was just because the actress was supposed to portray being disheveled or upset. But she didn't look as she didn't have the the, the quote unquote hotness factor that she you know, a lot of people had with her last season and I'm I don't ready for some goo to get dumped on her because I know Amy's <laughs> like Amy's like second episode with the beast below she gets like covered in like whale goo and you know th- uh, th- there hasn't been like a very messy episode with Clara yet I don't know do you think they're going, in, they're going in tunnels next week so maybe mm. yeah I'll, I'll have to agree and I'm sorry this is so shallow but yeah she didn't look you know the maybe it was just the way it was filmed maybe it was you know her makeup or you know her hair or whatever i can't really say but yeah there wasn't the sort of and maybe it was just that fascination of her being quote quote unquote the impossible girl that you know they had to in those episodes you know make her up to be to look better to look more vivacious or look more you know even sexy to try and upplay that idea now that she's just clara the companion they can allow her to look you know they, they don't have to 
upplay her looks. They can just put her in as a character. But unfortunately, I don't think her character in this episode was all that enjoyable. It was, like you said, Hope, it was kind of whiny. It's like, this isn't my doctor. I don't know if I'm going to like him. He's dark and old and wrinkly. It's like, oh, just get over it. Wait, now, what? Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to pose the question. What do you think that um, is, is the best Clara episode for you guys? I think it's that unfilmed one that I have. Wait, never mind. <laughs> I'm glad you said that instead of me, because I already went down the perf line once with her. Um, I'm sorry, Hope. I apologize for being guys. She she really is a beautiful woman, and it's in the, her original episodes. It was actually distracting the way they filmed her. It's like hard to focus on the episode. Um, I I liked her in Time of the Doctor. Actually, I thought she was very effective in Time. Uh, not Time of the Doctor. I'm sorry. Um, although she was good in that. That's the one where the doctor died, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, the day of the doctor is probably my favorite one with her, though. You know, I'd have to go. I'd still have to go with her initial appearance in Asylum. I thought that was really good. You know, I thought she was written very cleverly. Mm-hmm. You didn't know exactly who she was going to be. You had an idea. I mean, if you've read online, you knew that she was going to be the new companion, but it wasn't set up for her to be a new companion and her her turn at the end of it, you know, where you find out that, you know, she's essentially inside a Dalek, you know, it, it, it made for an interesting episode. So that'd probably be my favorite Clara episode. I like choice. the, I like the governess bar wench. Uh, <laughs> one. Snowman one. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about you? Yeah, I like, I like asylum too. Um, I, I, I wish if, if they would kept going back to who she was in that one, I think she would be way more effective. I like the the restaurant. I felt like we saw a snippet of that. I mean, she was snarky, she was sarcastic, she was bantering with it. She was still complaining to the doctor about, about him being old, but it was in a, in a funny, clever. I'm still your best friend, but I'm taking pot shots at you kind of way in the restaurant. That's so what I, that to me was the most important yeah. scene because that that was what set up their relationship for for the entire season and how it's going to be because. Like, um, I, I just liked her opening, like, I'm not mad at you, but I'm mad at you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that, and that sets up some mystery, too, as in yeah. how they both got there, because they both thought that the other had put the ad in the paper to show up at the restaurant. And so, then later you find out that even the mustache-twirling android villain did not put the ad in the paper, either. So I guess that kind of leads us to who did which uh, which the, he mentioned and like you said Sean that was one of the portions where I had a hard time hearing what was going on what exactly did did he say later on in the episode as to who put the ad in the paper he, he was mentioning a woman and of course we see someone at the end of the um, that he mentioned what was his girlfriend no no she said she was his girlfriend mm-hmm. I know I'm jumping all all around it's okay um, I can Sean you want to get her you want I, I can answer it whichever. go ahead well, what he's what he was talking about was in in Clara's first episode, not mm-hmm. um, not the asylum where she was, but where Clara's first full episode. She calls the doctor. The Bells of St. John's, so it's called. Yeah. She calls the doctor for tech support, and she got the number from a lady in a shop. Some lady in a shop gave her that tech support phone number. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Who the hell has the phone number to the TARDIS phone? And so he said, "There's somebody out there." Uh, really wants us to be together and to stay together. Cause that, he's, he's saying that same person ran the ad in the newspaper. So he's saying there's some woman out there that really wants them to stay together. And, of course, that's when it led us to the scene with Missy, where she's saying that she's the doctor's girlfriend. 
Now, Jeez. was that the... Um, so who do we think that person is? There's like three prime candidates. One, the first one that people are going to say is that it's... Um, um, that it's that it's River, but I'm like, no, that's too obvious. Two, I, I, it's, she she doesn't act like River. I mean, yeah, yeah but people could could be saying that because she said I'm his girlfriend, so that you know. But, but even but she, then, like River only says that she's his wife to like a companion or to Amy or or to right. um to the doctor. She never said that she was her wife to a complete stranger. Hmm. I I don't think I don't think it's. Her either, but I could see how the argument could easily be made that this is a, a batshit crazy regeneration of uh, numbers. Oh. Because remember, at one point she was trying to kill the doctor anyway. So right. I mean, someone could argue that it's River. I don't think it is, but someone could argue it. I see that. Go ahead. Then another that 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 someone that was there mentioned, and he he said that he thought that's who the actress was was the woman that played in the the time of the the, uh, the last one, the last time of the doctor. Yes, thank you. Um, that played the grand, her worshipfulness, whatever, <laughs> the head of the church. That that was the oh the naked that church. Was, yes, yeah. that that was the head of that was church the lady the that silence. was the head of the church. And I was like, eh, I, I, I maybe, but then I I brought up, and of course nobody there is an old classic Who person. So I said, well, what about the Ronnie? And they go, Who? <laughs> like yeah. the Ronnie, the female time? No, I don't I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, never mind. Or it could be, you know, or maybe it's none of the above, and it's a new, a new villain. I don't know. Well, hmm. I, th I think you're onto something um, about going back to the old classic Who stuff because we do know that Gallifrey is not back, and that the Time Lords are, are in a way kind of back. I mean, it could be a Time Lord that's trying to reach out and find the Doctor. I think you're onto something with that. Hmm. I'd prefer the Ronnie certainly to the Church thing because I couldn't care less about that Church subplot. That was just like total Yawnsville. And if he's going to hang his hat on that one for the season, I'll be like, ugh. Um, I'd be down with the Ronnie, absolutely. Another name I've heard bantered around was Romana, like a crazy version of Romana. I would be, I'd be down with that. So that could be interesting, too. Uh, and that's another Time Lord, if you don't know who Romana is, folks. Um, or it could be a new character altogether. I hope it's actually someone from the past, because, like, remember, was it Madame Kevorkian? Was that her name? The eye patch lady? <laughs> That's probably not her name. Oh, uh, no, no. Yeah. Oh, I, the one from uh, A Good Man Goes to War? Yeah. Like, she kept showing up. That's kind of what this feels like. It's almost like formulaic Moffat, where you get you know, hints of this character who's building to something, like the eye patch lady did. And I didn't care about her at all. Like, she never, she never generated interest in me. And I'm afraid that... I, I hope it's not going to be the same way this time. I hope it's not going to be a... You know, oh, well, here's that thing I'm supposed to care about at the end of every episode. Oh, I, I guess I'm supposed to care now, and I don't. I hope it's not going to turn out that way. I hope it's someone that, that they're going to be able to thread through the story and make me actually be interested. Okay. So is this pocket universe or – well, I mean, we don't know what heaven is or the promised land as it's shown at, at, at the end of the episode. You know, do, it, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. Is that – like, did, did this person take that uh, – Android and bring him there physically, mentally, spiritually. I guess guess we're just gonna have to wait, you know. Uh, yeah, and also it's kind of left open, you know, at the scene where the doctor is confronting the android and whether or not you know he's going to push him out or that android is going to kill himself. So now not... she said that he that he pushed, you know, that what my boyfriend pushed you, or you know that that she's implying that the doctor pushed him out. Mm. 
Huh? I thought she was asking. I don't know. I thought she was stating that he did. Hmm. Or or maybe she did. Maybe she said, did he? Hmm. See, that's only seeing it one time. It's kind of hard to yeah. remember. Uh, uh, exactly. again. What do you guys think? Did he push or did he jump? I don't know. I don't really said that one of them was lying. connotations to both scenarios. Yeah, and I think that's that's what, you know, Moffat's just setting up. You know, he's letting the, the viewer kind of roll that around in their head to determine whether or not they want to think that this doctor is possibly in some way a killer. Yep. You know, granted, you know, it's an android who's been stealing human parts, but he even He's been skinning during... people to make an air balloon. <laughs> My <laughs> God. <laughs> no, was nobody horrified by that? Everybody, I, I, everybody yeah. else was just like, I'm like, don't you realize that that's, you know, they said that's that skin. Oh, come on. How many times have you try, not tried to, you know, skin someone to make a hot air balloon? Every week. All I could I'm think looking. of was Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> you a big crap person? <laughs> I think you could crack my balloon. We get the lotion on your skin. Oh God! I'm not gonna be able to sleep tonight if you keep yeah, doing that. You're welcome. Um, we we haven't talked. You know, you wanted to talk a little bit about Capaldi as a character since we we kind of finished up on Clara. What do we think about in general Capaldi as the Doctor? That's the, the silence, unfortunately, <laughs> ah! is really telling. I don't, no. think we know any, I don't think we know anything. That's the problem. It's, yeah. it's too early. we got to see more. It's This is a regeneration. Everything all right? Yeah, I dropped a <laughs> pair of um, fingernail clippers on the floor. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Hope's I down. Just... Hope's down. <laughs> no, I dropped fingernail clippers. I, I do think, yeah, that you, because this is a regeneration episode, we're, we're not getting the real character. It wasn't until the very end we kind of got who the Doctor is going to be for this season. Um, I, yeah, go ahead, Oak. I, I started liking him about halfway through, like once he started getting his head back on. I think his uh, catchphrase is going to be the question is... Question. Mm. Blah, blah, blah. The question uh, is... Because he said it like four or five times. I think that's going to oh, be... I was so hoping that they weren't going to say who. Who. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. They don't need but, to do that. But um, I, I started really liking him. I started like really warming up to him. Um, I I like that he's a little quirky and um, he definitely has a head on his shoulders. Um, I, I I like that he can take the piss out of Kara. But we see at the end, I like that she can take the piss out of him because he'd be like, "Well, I don't do that." And she's like, "Yeah, you do. You're gonna pay." <laughs> so um, I, I I I like that he can be both sassy and a little bit meek at the same time when it comes to her. Um, but I, I, th- I think once we see more, it'll be good. And I, I don't try to. It took me a few episodes to like Matt Smith, and it took me a few episodes to really, maybe two episodes to like Tennant. <laughs> so, um, and and I liked uh, Eccleston right off the bat. You know, I have to. I, I always say that I don't know my my favorite doctor, but I always keep. I always go back to Eccleston, so he might be my favorite doctor. Blech. Um, huh? Black. I love him. Um, Someone has I wish to. he was there for more than one season. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I liked him after he started getting his wits about him, and I, I think he was a very strong force. I like that he poured the doc, the uh, android a drink. Um, but he seems, and I don't know if this goes back to Moffat's writing, a little bit scattered. Like, he just 
would launch from point to point, but they didn't seem to have um, transitions from point to point. And I, you know, I keep thinking about to the scene with the Android where they're in the restaurant, they were talking. Be like, and then this, this, and this, but let's talk about this other topic suddenly in the mid-sentence. And I don't know if that's a reflection of the writing or the regeneration. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I, guess I'll get I like that I- he's the Scottish doctor, though. I like that entire scene with him in the alley with the mirror, with the the poor random guy who just happened to be passing by. But that, I felt like that was a really good scene, and it actually kind of reminded me back to Palm again in, in um, uh, the 8th Doctor movie. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, I, I can't validate this because I just read it online last night. Of course, everything on the internet's true. But they said that homeless guy, um, mm-hmm. somebody said that was um, uh, uh, Sarah Jane Smith. What's the uh, what's the actress's oh, name? Oh, Slate. Slade. Yeah, said it was late. Sladen's husband. Really? Uh, I don't, I don't know nice if it's true or not. No idea. But that's what I saw. So someone validated or don't. Um, anyway, Capaldi. Like, I, I by the end of uh, Christmas Invasion, I loved David Tennant. By the end of Eleventh Hour, I loved Matt Smith. The end of this one, I'm not sure. However, the moments that I liked his Doctor the most was in the alley really like that you're right it was very eighth doctor sort of uh roaming around kind of stuff really like those moments and i liked it when he was sitting at the table in the restaurant with the bad guy in the air and he says would you like a drink um because i'm very afraid i may have to kill you yes mm-hmm. and he said i know i could use one if i if that's what i have to do or something like that and it reminded me of and you guys I, you may never have even seen this i don't know uh it was it was the original ninth doctor which was not Christopher Eccleston. The original Ninth Doctor was Stephen Grant, and it was a animated episode called Scream of the Shulk. Yeah, and he was a dick. He was a real jerk as the Doctor. He he didn't have time for fools. He was rude to people. He drank wine. Um, and by the way, John, it's not the first time it's ever John Pertwee used to drink wine as the Doctor all the time, uh, or at least in certain episodes. So anyway, I um I liked the idea. Of him being very calm and threatening, look at that! Like him just sitting there at the table, threatening was, the robot's existence. I was like, "Wow! I want to see more of that doctor." Was that the one where he had the robot of the master in the TARDIS? Yes. Okay. All right. yeah. So if if he's gonna be a cold, calculating jerk, I'm on board with that. Um, or if he's gonna be the funny, saying lots of crazy stuff in the alley, I'm okay with that too. Um, and I'm okay if we get both. And yeah. um, but I I hope that's the direction they go. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of in line with you, Shag. You know, we didn't get much of who the character was going to be until the end. I I do admit, yeah, the uh, the scenes that you mentioned, him in the you know him in the alleyway and him confronting the cyborg were probably the best ones. But I I think Capaldi. You know, I think the strength of Capaldi as an actor. I think can carry the show, you know, with uh, Matt Smith, since he was sort of, at least over here in the States, kind of an unknown, it, it he did have to really shine in his first episode to get you engaged with the doctor. I think, you know, that Capaldi has a bit more of a reputation, uh, allows us to be a bit unnerved or a bit uneasy with how his character is, at least for this first episode. So we'll, we'll go with that. Yeah, I'm pretty. Uh, just to save time, I'm I'm gonna go with what <laughs> everything that you guys have said. I'm not, I'm not gonna tread over the same scenes. Okay. Um, you know, but yeah, he's. I'm. 
interested to see past the first regeneration episode where he's going to go. Are are we going to get the the well, I don't want to say the dark doctor, but the the calculating doctor or a mixture of that and the flighty doctor that we saw. Um, are we going to get a question answered as to why he looks like the guy from the fires of Pompeii and will they do an episode on that? I guess we'll have to wait and see because he says he's I, seen that face before. Uh, he has, um, I think they said over the summer in an interview that that's going to eventually be addressed. Hmm. Interesting, because he's not the first Doctor to appear in the show and then come back as the Doctor. Yeah, because didn't Colin Baker? Yeah, right. Colin, ba- yep. Colin yeah, Baker. He, 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 shot he was a guard. Yeah, yeah, he was a mm-hmm. he was a Castellan guard, I believe, yeah. on on Gallifrey. Yeah. Okay. Um, do we want to uh, do want to touch really quick on the sort of spoilery? Well, not really spoilery, but the odd ending with the android in in heaven. What do we think that was all about? Well, I guess we kind of touched on that. Oh, we can go ahead. Oh, oh, but wait, before we do that, yes. 51st century, Shag. Did they mention the 51st century? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what he says when he's in the restaurant. He says, he's looking at him going, you're from the 51st century. And I was thinking, oh my god, are we going to go somewhere with Talons of Wing Cheyenne? Well, you know, Captain Jack's also from the 51st century. And cause, yeah. You know, if, if you watch Talons of Wing Cheyenne, as, as Bill's in- indicating... The, that's where Magnus Greel is from, oh. and, and uh, he talks a lot about time agents chasing him, and then when Captain Jack shows up, it turns out he's from the 51st century, because he's part of the time agent group also. Now, I don't think we're going to get Captain Jack back. I think they. I wish we would kick him. I know, but I, I, think they're, I think they've moved past that. But um, but dealing with Magnus Greel would kick all the ass. Oh, That would yes. be awesome. Talk about do... bringing back an old villain. Wow. Yeah, if they could do something, you know, even if they went to the 51st century and just addressed that, that would be awesome. Oh, yeah, because that's been, you know, verboten. We don't really, it's mentioned, it's never been traveled to, I don't believe. I don't even know if you, you would know more Shag in, in any done, of the. They've done audio adventure stories. Oh, they have? Oh, yeah, but yeah. never anything for realsies. If you don't know Hope, Magnus Greel was a character in The Talons of Wing Chiang, which is a, a fourth Doctor episode. It's a really good one that we, if you ever want to go back and watch the stuff, it's a really good ep- really good uh, series. It's oh. consistently voted as one of the top episodes ever. Mm-hmm. Lotus, uh, Lotus Flower that greets the dawn. <laughs> so yeah, that would be that would be a fun one to do because, you know, Moffat is sort of a modern day Philip Hinchcliffe. <coughs> you know, Philip Hinchcliffe was the producer who took Doctor Who in a very darker direction. He's the one that did a lot of darker, scary episodes. And I can't remember if Talons was specifically a Hinchcliffe episode. I'm pretty sure it, I mean, it must have been. I don't know for sure. But either way. And so that would be sort of fitting for Moffat to take us to that dark, creepy place with Magnus Greel. The mm-hmm. Butcher of Brisbane. Ooh. Nice. So anyway, back to the ending. Yeah, you know, do... Do, do we have any thoughts on that? Do we think it was, you know, well, I, we kind of touched on it, but do we have any other specific thoughts about that, or we could? My, my very first thing um, I said it was, well, she's going to be working with the evil bad guy. That's about as far as I got. If she's not the evil bad guy, she's working with the evil bad guy. Oh, and the other thought is when she said that she was her girlfriend, I went, bitch, you ain't River. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> No, I seriously, I I looked like I was watching it with my stepmom, and I looked right at her, and she's like, "That is not River." <laughs> do we think? All... River, do we think River is going to be making appearances this season? I hope not. I felt like they really closed out her story exceptionally well. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'd be fine with not having River around. She did seem kind of a trope of the Tenet and Smith run. So, yeah, again, to, to let Capaldi shine on his own, let's let's have him move forward and not, you know, bring back the past so much. Well, I guess an end tag to, uh, to the show that they should have had was that, you know, all droids go to heaven. <laughs> That's good. Uh, right fast, though. Um, don't we have a new TARDIS? Yeah, like... What, was that? A, around... I didn't really notice that it was new. Yeah. Just, I, I was like, really? That's... I, I don't know. It didn't... I, I, I guess it's new. I mean, but considering I just seen the last... The end of last season right before that, it didn't strike me. It didn't seem that new to me. But... Yeah. I, I, I mean, he, sung, he said he hung more round things. Well, he... He said he wanted more round things, but he couldn't find them. I think was what he said. I I just I haven't liked this new TARDIS. I didn't like it in the last season. Um, I miss the old kind of orange walls with the the, the balls on it, because I color like on the on the oh God on the side of a color palette. Like I mean, it, it sets a much brighter tone and a bit much brighter mood, and it's also easier to see them in that TARDIS. Um, I feel like this is such a dark dark TARDIS and it, it makes it gives it a much like deeper mood and I, I'm not a big fan of that though I do like all the panels that circle around the top they are all the names of the new Who companions in Gallifreyan I do like that Yeah, and then that's sweet and it looks like he's got a Barca lounger up there on that uh... yeah I was gonna say he's got a he's got a, a nice chair to go chillax in so that's kind of cool that's something looks like you have seen looks like they added a bookcase I don't remember that bookcase being up there before hmm uh, I noticed a bookcase full of books, and I'm like, I don't think Matt had that up there before. Um, and I think I think what he's saying is, I think there's those like orange round circles that are going around. I think those are new, because I think the, I think that's what he's saying is, I, I oh, wanted the round things. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what he's saying. He goes, I wanted more round things. I used to have a bunch of them. I don't know where they went. And I think so that's I what think... he's saying is the old ones aren't coming back. Which well, we saw the for... old ones are at the museum with the curator. That's right, they are. Um, so I get the sense that. That's probably what's new. Either all, either way, though, like my favorite TARDIS is Paul McGann's, and then behind that is Matt Smith's first TARDIS. I thought Matt Smith's first TARDIS with all the brass and everything was just gorgeous. And so, yeah, I was let down like you hoped with this TARDIS. I was like, eh, they're going for a more classic feel, but it's kind of eh. I was like yeah. the Tom Baker's, um, the secondary control room that had yeah. a steampunk feel to it, too. That was awesome. Love that wood one. You know why they stopped using it? Too expensive? It got ruined in between seasons of water damage. Oh. Isn't that terrible? Well, do we want to wrap this up? Do we have any final thoughts, you know, uh, about the episode as a whole? Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm waiting to really see you just more. <laughs> same here. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's same. not really a lot to judge on when it comes to Capaldi's Doctor, and I hope they, they keep moving forward. Um, I think it's a little ambitious that they're jumping right into a Dalek episode next episode um and i hope that gives brings us back to being back into the feel of doctor who i edit i just it hasn't felt like doctor who to me since we've lost the pawns like i just haven't had that like really exciting doctor who feeling since since really angels of manhattan so i'm i'm ready i'm ready to get back to feeling like i love doctor who again i i had some thought from that preview for the next episode did somebody 
did anybody else get get the feel that they were going like inside a Dalek or something? It's called Into the Dalek. That's the name of the episode. Hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, but I just, like like they're gonna get shrunk down, go inside a Dalek, like Fantastic Voyage style or something. I don't yeah, know. let me <laughs> see if I can find the because they did a press release. Um, and I, I think the press release is that it's a small team that's going inside. I think like a either a broken Dalek or a sick Dalek or something. Oh, actually inside it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because wasn't there something where they wasn't there some press shot where they showed like a small TARDIS? Not the one that they've been showing where everybody takes it, puts it all over the world. But I thought there was like some production thing that showed a tiny TARDIS somewhere uh, mm. over the last few months. It'd be interesting. There's precedent for them to shrink down. They've done it twice before right. in the original series. Hmm. So. Huh. Do you guys yeah. want to hear like the like the three-sentence press release for it? Go for it. A Dalek fleet surrounds the lone rebel ship, and, the, and only the Doctor can help them now. With the Doctor facing his greatest enemy, he needs Clara by his side. Uh, confronted with a decision that could change the Daleks forever, he is forced to examine his, his conscience. Will he find the answer to the question, am I a good man? Hmm. Interesting. Well, to, to answer your question, Sean, and, and following up on what Hope's saying for future episodes, like I, I have complete confidence in Peter... Uh, by the way, I guess we're saying it wrong. It's, I guess it's Peter Capaldi? Okay. My, my eight-year-old daughter just Capaldi, me. I say Capaldi. Yeah, um, <laughs> what... My eight-year-old daughter just showed up, and she's telling me that, yes, uh, Chris Hardwick told us how to pronounce it in the pre-show. And he said, yeah. I, he said it's uh, Chris, uh, Peter Capaldi. Who crowned him king of the nerds? Enough of Chris Hardwick. Well, him and him and uh, Will Wheaton, both of them were there. Uh, my uh, wife asked, why uh, them? And I said, because they've been chosen to represent our people. Anyway, I, want, I want Kevin Piera back, because Kevin Piera from um, Attack the from Show G4, is always yeah. better than Chris Hardwick any day. Agreed. I miss Kevin Pierre, and he was so much hotter. Uh, I, I can't agree with that, but you know, I'm not was all that. I'm not all that into the attractiveness of males. So well, anyway, I, I have complete confidence in Capaldi. Um, I just hope the scripts are there too. Yeah, I'll, I'll give the same thing. I, I think Capaldi, Chris Hardwick, um, you know, is going to make a great Doctor. I'm looking forward to it. I, I have no. I have no doubt that the writing will be strong, but you know this just wasn't the best first episode. So uh, I guess I guess the positive way to look at it is it, is it can only go up. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, I guess uh, since we're done with this, and since Shag's got to head out here, we're gonna call this. Uh, we're gonna wrap this. So thanks everyone for listening to this latest episode of Who True Freaks and. Uh, next time we'll probably be taking a look at uh, we'll be getting back to the classic Doctor and you know if we can wrangle Thomas DJ and Shag we'll be taking a look at the sixth Doctor. Aren't you excited about that Shag? <sighs> oh wait Hope I feel your cold coming on. I don't think I can do it Sean. <coughs> oh, here, do you want, here, here I'll give it to you. <coughs> oh so sorry Sean I'm sick. Bye. It's okay. an internet virus. Oh I should have ran my McCaffrey oh well. We'll see you all in another episode of Who True Freaks, folks. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. So, um, my question is, are, are we ever going to do, like, things like, if, if we have other things to promote, like, you know, make sure you check out, out our Twitter handles or anything like oh, that? We should, we should have totally done oh, that. Oh, crap. 
You want to do that real quick? Yeah. Well, we'll just we'll just keep this going and we'll say goodbye again at the end. Yes. Hope, well, hope, where, where can we find you on the internet? Yes, hope. hope. Um, you can find me at Hope Molinax on Twitter. It's M U L L I N A X, and I'm trying to get my website launched before DragonCon. Like I, I'm building a website right now. Um, I just you know getting sick through a kink in my everything, and my webmaster is went to Australia for work for two months. So. <laughs> oh, um, blimey! Throw a shrimp on the barbie. I know. So um. But you you can go there, but there's nothing there. Um, but it's geekygirlexperience.com. Um, you can look at the pretty art that's my um, that my a friend of mine did for me. But like I said, there's nothing really there right now. Um, I'm trying to get it completely launched and ready by DragonCon, which is in like four days. <laughs> I'm that's not ready. That's a great name for a site, by the way. Oh, thank you. It's based off my Tumblr, and my very first podcast was Geeky Girl Experience podcast. Um, that I did a whole one episode, and if you look at Hope of All Trades, I actually took an old episode of that and put it in my my podcast too. Um, and I've also recently joined What the Fangirl, which my friends are doing, and it's kind of like uh, it's going to be a weekly podcast and website to write for as well. And I'm going to be a contributing writer, so you can look up What the Fangirl, and they're about to launch too. Very cool, Bill. Where where can we find you on the interwebs? Oh, you can find me hanging out with Sean on Walking Dead Wednesday and with Paul Spataro over on Back to the Bins and um, Avengers Spotlight, which we just put another one up yesterday, which this will be in the future, so I don't know when that will be. <laughs> there is uh, one up. <laughs> yes, there's one up, which uh, we that, those are co- coming out sporadically, but they are coming out. And uh, that's that's pretty much it. Other than that, I'm usually sitting in a chair. <laughs> at, at my computer or driving around working alright Shag um, you can find me primarily at firestormfan.com it's a, it's a website dedicated to Firestorm the nuclear man from DC Comics um, along those same lines you can find me uh, under the same handle firestormfan on Twitter Facebook Google Plus Instagram and uh, Tumblr then uh, I also am part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. It's a series of shows we do about Firestorm and Aquaman. We also do Who's Who. We do a bunch of other topics as well, like Power Records and uh, role-playing, superhero role-playing games. And you can find that on iTunes under the Fire and Water Podcast. And by the time this goes live, maybe, or if not, then maybe shortly afterwards, I'll also be part of a new venture called the Legion of Superbloggers. It's a new blog dedicated to the Legion of Superheroes, and it's a group of seven guys coming together to uh, celebrate the Legion, and you can find that at legionofsuperbloggers.blogspot.com. So it's basically another way to just irk, to irk Rob Kelly, aren't you? Working on it. Okay, good job. Well, you know, I also do a couple of shows over at Two True Freaks. Uh, you know, I've got Just One of the Guys, which is my Green Lantern podcast. Uh, I work in, uh, I work with uh, Bill on Walking Dead Wednesday along with Chris Honeywell. I've got a new podcast out with uh, Michael Bradley who does Superman and Batman about the Tangent Universe comics called uh, Parallel Lines. And, you know, I can be found in other places. So, you know, basically if you go to Two True Freaks, you'll find us all here. So if you're listening to this, you obviously have been to Two True but I'm, I'm glad we um, thank you Hope for allowing us to mention all of our stuff you know we, we rarely do that in the show I appreciate you letting us promote ourselves here yay promotion it's fun I'm, I, I'm excited to find Shag at DragonCon because I, I challenged him and you to um, the ALS challenge and I hope to find him at DragonCon and so I can dump a bucket of water on his head 
I will be there. I've, I've already recruited uh, a couple other guys to join me. Michael Bailey, in fact, is, is says he's going to do it, guys. A lot of you guys know oh, who awesome. he is. Yep. Cool. Well, thanks, everyone. Again, you know, uh, I, we appreciate you listening, and we will be back soon for another episode of Who True Freaks. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 Again. Again. <laughs> well, this wibbly wobbly time reminded me. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan, on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.